life is also going to happen to you. And instead of constantly trying to push and drive the healing forward, what does it look like for you to allow the healing itself to sit in the driver's seat and you to sit in the passenger seat and listen to it and allow it to tell you where it wants you to go. Because you keep saying that this thing that happened to you in kindergarten or this thing that happened to you when you were eight years old isn't a big deal. But the data of your life, your decisions, how you feel, what's happening is telling me it is a big deal. What I want most for women everywhere is to stop playing small and step into your unique power so you can finally show up as the fullest, biggest, and truest version of you. But that requires that you first get crystal clear about who you are and then let go of everything that you're not. I'm here to teach you how to know yourself, trust yourself, and honor yourself so you can create a deeply aligned, deeply empowered, and deeply inspiring life. You know, the one you were actually sent here to have. Come on, let me show you how. So today I actually want to pop back to something I was talking about in episode 24 around staying with it and sitting in the tough spaces, sitting in your shit, whatever it is. I don't remember exactly how I said it. And all of this is stemming from Raquel and I having a conversation, Raquel, of course, my best friend, and us having a conversation about the episode after because she listened to it. And one of her things was like, yeah, but I think that can be tricky when you're telling people to stay in things because essentially kind of people will end up wallowing and going, you know, around and around the bend and they end up getting stuck. And so she and I had a really good long conversation a couple weeks ago, right after the episode dropped. And kind of fleshing out and me trying to explain, like, you know, me hearing her and me also trying to explain exactly what it was that I was talking about. And so when we got down to the bottom of it, I was like, you know, this is actually a really good thing for us to talk about on the podcast. So here we are. So when I talk about sitting in your feelings, staying in your tough spaces, this is one of my fundamental beliefs. I think that as humans, oftentimes we are so busy running from the things that are painful. We're so busy trying to find a quick fix for things that don't feel good. We're so busy trying to avoid and deny our discomfort that that avoidance, that denial, that rejection of our discomfort actually ends up making all of that shit persist, right? So There's a phrase that I'm sure you have heard, which is what you resist persists. And I absolutely believe that. And I think, you know, when you look across the spectrum, particularly at Westerners, one of the things that you're noticing with humanity is that there's a lack of emotional intelligence going on, a lack of emotional self-regulation, a lack of just emotional knowledge with regard to ourselves. And again, I think that what creates this type of knowledge, like what creates an environment or what creates a situation where you're able to dive in it and really be able to hold yourself and your emotional capacity. You have to be able to sit with difficult and uncomfortable things. 
And that does not mean, you know, the point Raquel was bringing up is kind of like, well, people, again, will kind of telling them to stay there, like at what point, when is too much, too much? And I'm like, well, I think one of the things that I've consistently been talking about myself, but also just seeing is like, for people who have denied their grief and they deny that they're in a tough place, we're so quick to try to move on past it. And we're so quick to try to act like we're somewhere we're not, that that, again, ends up also causing more self-harm. And so one of the things that I'm a big proponent of is like, you know, when the sad feelings come up, when the grief comes up, when whatever the discomfort is, what does it look like for you to stay there? And that doesn't mean, again, that you have to collapse and you got to be miserable every single day because by no means am I saying that. But what I am saying is that the data is telling you information about yourself. The data, which is your feelings. When I talk about data, I'm talking about this thing is happening what am I experiencing or seeing as a result of it? So I'm like, everything in our lives is data. Our feelings are data. Um, if something happens to us and we're triggered, you know, we always hear about this. Your triggers are data telling you, hey, you need to look over here. There's some stuff in the closet that we haven't dealt with. And so when we approach our lives from an aspect where everything is data, then it's like, huh, what? You have to start to get curious. So, huh, what is the fact that I'm still bothered or upset or angry about this thing two hours after it happened, a week after it happened, three months after it happened, a year after it happened? In our society, most of the time people tell you, you need to get over it. You need to move on. You need to toughen up. If you're a man, they tell you, you need to man up. If you're a woman, they tell you, you need to stop being so sensitive. There's all these quick little things that I'm like, pause. Who the fuck has decided what amount of time is enough to go through difficult things. Who are we deferring to on that? Because the reality is we shouldn't be deferring to anybody. Like how something affects Raquel versus how it affects me versus how it affects another friend is going to be completely different based upon the experiences that we have had throughout our lives, based upon the things that we have experienced in childhood, our wounding, our traumas. And again, everybody has trauma. That's a great piece of data right there. If you're looking at your life and your childhood and you're saying there's no trauma here, I have a bridge in Africa I want to sell you for a dollar, okay? Like, that's absolutely not the case. And again, trauma is not the thing that happens. It's how our bodies experience that thing. So trauma is not about a specific event. It's about our reaction and our response to the event and how it was perceived and how we took it in at the time. All of us have experienced trauma and all of that absolutely shapes who we are, how we move through the world. It shapes the filter that we have on our glasses. It shapes how we take in information across the board. And so it's like, you know, based upon what we have experienced throughout our life, that's going to determine how, quote unquote, easily, gently, quickly, we pass through traumatic things. And so, like I said, for me, specifically in referencing like the grief and the stuff that I was talking about from episode 24, it's very important for me at this point in my life to give myself grace and to take some time and understand there is no timeline on healing. I mean, whether it's this or something else, there will always be, quote unquote, work we are here to do. This is what I believe that as humans, we are here to continually unfold and expand until we no longer have breath in our body. And that is if we are whether you want to say made in the image of God, depending on your beliefs, or I believe that we are all like, you know, individual manifestations of God. So if that is in fact true, then 
it's never done. It's constantly unfolding work. All we are here to do is to constantly become. And so with that being said, again, there's always going to be something to work on. And so right now at this phase of my life, this is the phase where this thing, this relationship, this situation, and the, what I want to call it, I wasn't going to say breakup, I wanted to use another word, but kind of us extracting, I won't even say us extracting our lies, because again, he's moved on and, you know, not a second thought for him and he's done his own thing. And even that, it's like, if I was to look at what he was doing and then base my feelings on that, that Deka, that has nothing to do with you. And how, you know, whatever his emotional process is or has been, whether he's worked on something, whether he's worked through his feelings, whether he's not, number one, it's none of my business. Number two, I literally will never have any idea. So all I know when the data that is in front of me is saying that this right here is not done with you yet. And this right here, you're still, again, kind of unfolding and experiencing. And as I continue to say, like, Every day, you know, I think as we move through grief, we get to different parts where it's like, I'm much, much better than things were at different points last year. But it's like, I also still notice where things are tender and where there's things to explore. And then it's really fascinating then to also be kind of working with my therapist and where, you know, she's bringing up some things and pulling stuff out. And I'm like, oh, I can see the thread. I see how these things are connecting. So that to me is the importance of staying with it of sitting in the discomfort. I feel like as children, and I know I've said this a million times, we are not taught how to sit in uncomfortable feelings. We're not taught how to be in uncomfortable feelings. You know, if you are upset as a child, a lot of times, you know, your parent might be telling you, particularly for Black people, like, I'll give you something to cry about, or go in your room or don't cry out here, wipe your tears. Nobody wants to hear that. And so that becomes a problem for us as adults. How have you really learned to sit with your grief, your sadness, your anger, your rage, your discomfort, whatever it is? And until you learn how to do that, and at this point as adults, you have to teach yourself. Nobody is coming to teach you anymore. But when you have a very limited emotional vernacular, you know, particularly for women, you need to be nice little girls. You need to be nice. You need to be kind. You need to be sweet. You need to be friendly. You need to be understanding, be overly understanding, even if it violates your own boundaries or it violates your own personal sovereignty in your body. You need to continue to give people the benefit of the doubt, basically over-function. We are taught to do that as young girls. So of course we become women, grown adult women who do the same things in our lives and can't pinpoint where the bitterness and resentment and rage is coming from because it's low grade. If you feel bitterness and resentment and rage, you probably were raised by somebody who did the same thing. They taught you how to do it. So of course they were doing the same thing in your life. And then you end up forming relationships and connections and community with people who under the surface actually feel the same thing, have a deep sadness and probably, again, rage, anger, bitterness about not being heard their whole lives really feeling like they don't fit in, really feeling like nobody sees me. But again, you cover it up with a great degree from a you know top HBCU. You cover it up with quarter of a million dollar job. You cover it up with having the latest fucking Tesla. You've got the latest iPhone. You've got the thousand dollar weave. You have all of the things that can make it look like shit is okay. Meanwhile, your heart is breaking. And my thing is, Nobody knows that but you. So when I talk about sitting in it, it's about you taking the responsibility and the authority 
for what is happening in your body. And again, I think, you know, from what Raquel was talking about and I was kind of explaining to her, there's a difference between a lot of times what people are doing, you know, again, her thing is, well, people are going to sit in it and they just end up wallowing and they get stuck and they never get out of it. And I'm like, yeah, but what people are getting stuck in is not actually honoring their grief and honoring their rage. What people are getting stuck in is their attachment to this story that makes them out to be the villain. They're fat. They're ugly. They're not good enough. They're all of these negative things that it's like we become trapped under the story about who I am and how I'm showing up in the world and how that is not good enough. And that's a different kind of sitting in it in the victimization. That's a different kind of sitting in it than being in the passenger seat of your grief and your healing in whatever capacity, because the driver's seat is constantly, again, this very Western, very masculine idea. Well, get in there, make it happen, make a plan. Okay, you want to be healed? Okay, so get out your calendar, make a 45-day plan, do 10 minutes of healing every single day, and then you'll get there. Bull fucking shit. (laughs) Do you hear me? Like, it does not work like that. And I'm always saying, particularly for people who believe in God in any form, in any capacity, this is always the thing. And the people that I'm very close to know that I am always talking about this. You want to plan every goddamn thing. You want to plan out all the milestones, all the markers, the amount of time it should take for you to get from where you are to whatever goal you have desired. Where is God in this? Because there's some things that you're going to have to go. There's some places you're going to be sent. There's some detours you're going to have to go through. You don't know how long you're going to be in the valley of the shadow of death. That's something that God is determining, not you. And listen, is it important to set goals? Is it important to have timelines on things and make commitments? Absolutely. This is the requirement of balance. Like, yes, we have to do these things. But at the same time, understand that life is also going to happen to you. And instead of constantly trying to push and drive the healing forward, what does it look like for you to allow the healing itself to sit in the driver's seat and you to sit in the passenger seat and listen to it and allow it to tell you where it wants you to go? Because you keep saying that this thing that happened to you in kindergarten or this thing that happened to you when you were eight years old isn't a big deal. But the data of your life, your decisions, how you feel, what's happening is telling me it is a big deal. And again, this becomes the problem. If you're constantly trying to lead and direct the thing, you're going to be off. And particularly around business, like, you know, something I've been talking about the last couple of months and has really hit me. One of the core things that I see is people tend to not be clear about where they are. So it's like people think they're somewhere that they're not. And that's probably one of the biggest problems kind of challenges that I see and not even like from an arrogance place. But again, you think your issue is your marketing and you just need new clients and you need a copywriter or something. And it's like, yeah, but when we're having private conversation, actually, you're not really clear about what you're doing. And so this becomes the importance of also like having a community, being able to have somebody around you that you trust, that you can objectively see because And this is true for all of us. Even if you don't have a business, there are places in our lives that we are showing up and we think we already know what is happening here. And the fucking real gag is you don't. Your problem is not what you think it is. And that's very, very dangerous because you are then making plans and making arrangements and moving forward based upon the faulty idea that you are completely aware of what your problem is. 
And nine times out of 10, you think it's somebody else. It's this other person. This person has done this to me. I just need to get around different people and then I'll be okay. I need to start dating a different kind of man because all these dudes out here are trash. I need to be with a different kind of woman because this type of woman is X, Y, and Z. The reality is it's not about them. It's about you. And that to me is the difference between what Raquel and I were talking about, where I think, you know, what she's talking about where people stay stuck is around that victim mentality. And then we continue to tell the story that this person did this to me. I didn't deserve this. This happened to me. This happened to, you know, I was blindsided by this. And listen, absolutely, it doesn't mean, again, balance. It doesn't mean that things haven't happened that we haven't deserved. But there's also a thing of, again, for me, I believe that it's data from my life and I am here now. You know, I was talking about this a couple of episodes ago. Again, the proverb that says, the place that I have fallen, God has placed me there. If I am here and if this thing has in fact happened, then for me, then this has been ordained. I can spend all my time asking why, which to me is to be stuck, or I can get my garden gloves, pull out my shovel and my hoe, get down on my knees, get my hands in the earth and start digging around to find out, hmm, the God that I serve only does things in my favor. The God that I know is always orchestrating things for my good. So if I am here in this place, then there must be something special for me here. There must be some data, some gold, something that is special for me here that is going to be the breadcrumb for the next thing that I need to do. That's a very different position than sitting here saying, all guys are shit, all men are dogs, ain't no good men out here. All women are, I don't even know what the guys are saying, no gold diggers, they're all fake, none of them are real. Listen, even if those things are true, sir, how is that helping you right now? How does that move the needle forward if you know your deepest desire is to be in a healthy, nurturing, loving relationship? Is the belief that you're holding actually helping you get in that direction? Is the position that you're taking actually moving you towards where it is you say you want to go? If not, then it's not helpful. And again, pause because there's a break here before we can start to create a different set of beliefs that help us to move where we need to go. We have to first honor what is happening. Stop acting like you're not disappointed. Stop acting like you're not sad. Stop acting like you're not grieving. Stop acting like you're not angry. Stop acting like you're not bitter. Stop acting like you're not resentful. I understand we've been taught that those aren't positive emotions, but actually all emotions are positive. It's not the emotion itself that's the problem. It is our reaction and our response to what we are feeling in our body. And again, if you don't slow down, take a moment, sit and allow whatever is coming up to be, that shit will continue to run and hunt you down. And it'll haunt you too. And so that is my thing of like, somebody can say, oh, it's been two years. Why are you still sad? Because I am. What is two years to an almost 10 year relationship? And again, this isn't just somebody that I, we weren't intimately partnered the whole time. This was a close, close friend, somebody that, you know, we referred to each other as soulmates and best friends and all kind of stuff. So yeah, it's not unrealistic to expect that that wouldn't pass in two years. Now, I think the markers that we have to look at and be concerned with are, are you in the same place you were? Are you moving forward? And it's funny because we were just talking about that in therapy and this kind of like, how funny it is that a lot of times we can't accurately assess our healing and where we are 
until we move forwards, right? So it's like, you have to kind of look back. You need hindsight to be able to assess and look back and say, hmm, am I in the same place where I was at this time and at this time and this time? Do I see myself getting better? Do I feel and experience myself getting better in the world? I do. Okay, so then the process is doing what it's supposed to do. And we have to step back from people who try to give us these arbitrary timelines on how long it's okay to be sad, be upset, be angry. Because a lot of times in, I was saying this, I think in episode 24 too, one of the things I've realized is I'm not just grieving what happened. I'm grieving so many things that I never had a chance to really feel because I wasn't taught how to do it. And I'm afraid that it's going to take me over. And, you know, I think all of us are afraid, particularly around grief and sadness of like, if I open this door and I start crying, I'm afraid that I will never, ever stop and I'll fall into a pit I won't be able to get out of. So I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to put it away. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to start, you know, day trading and making a thousand dollars a day or whatever it is that you're doing. We start doing all these kind of things to make ourselves okay when it's okay to not be okay. And not being okay is actually normal. And being around people who try to tell you you should be over something, people who try to tell you that it's enough time now, you should move on. You really need to comb through that with a fine tooth comb because what's happening with you is not just about right now. And again, if you don't get curious, and a lot of times these are the things that nobody else can really help you figure it out. Nobody knows your intimate stories like you do. Nobody knows about the time that maybe you peed on yourself in the seventh grade at a somebody sleepover or something and got embarrassed or something happened when you were in fourth grade on a field trip and, you know, you fell down and skinned your face and, you know, you were humiliated. You're not probably not around people from fourth grade or seventh grade at the P gate sleepover. You're probably not around those people anymore. So it's easy to be a grown adult and move through the world and act like those things didn't bother you. But here's the thing. Every cell, every fiber, every muscle in your body knows. And you can continue to do all of the external things. Again, get the body, go on the little vacation, do all the accoutrement that we like to do to quote unquote, make yourself be okay. But when you're alone at night or when you have these symptoms that are manifesting in your body, it's like, it's also saying something to you. And again, and I say that gently because also speaking as somebody who has vitiligo, I also believe, you know, that stuff is so layered and there's not just one answer or just one way. And I absolutely believe, as I said, that, you know, I think sometimes illnesses pop up because they are a symptom of, well, they're always a symptom of something that's happening in the body. But I think that sometimes too, they're also symptoms of like what's happening in the body can also be used for a greater, deeper, larger spiritual purpose. I absolutely believe that with the vitiligo, I, you know, have said and will continue to say, I do not believe that I would ever be this version of Deka had my skin not started to turn white. Now, there were the seeds that were already there because this didn't start until I was 28. So the seeds were already there, like my personality and how I think and all these things, they were already there. They just weren't out on the surface, right? Like you're in your 20s and you're moving out through the world. And of course, you want to belong and you want to fit in. And you know, I'm trying to follow the script that I've been given. So trying to do those things and I'm trying to kind of tamp down these other parts of me. But I think one of the things that the vitiligo has made me see and made me conscious of is like, you're not going to be able to hide it. It's going to come out whether you want it to or not. 
And I think what's happening in my skin is absolutely parallel to like the journey of my soul and how I see my personality evolving of like, stop trying to push this thing down. That's not going to happen. This is probably one of the reasons why I don't, you know, wear makeup and stuff on my body. I mean, again, not saying I would never do it, but at this point and however many years it's been, it's just like, I mean, if you don't love me for who I am and how I look now, you're not going to love me any other kind of way. What do I look like putting makeup all over my body? And then we get in the shower together and start doing all the kinky things I love to do. And it comes off anyway. So it's like, this is who I am. And you need to see that and know that and be a full bodied. Yes. If you want to partner with me in any way, shape or form, that's my experience with my body and being Deka in terms of partnership. But it's also my experience with my personality and how I am thinking about my business, how I'm thinking about my friendships and connections. You know, I used to say, like, I want to be friends and be around people who think I hung the moon. And I always remember somebody would always laugh. I think it made her really uncomfortable when I would say that. And I'm like, that's so funny that that would sound conceited to you, because what would you suggest? That I be around people who don't really fuck with me? That I be around people who don't really like me? That I be around people who could take me or leave me? Why and how does that make any sense? I get that it makes sense because that's what most of us do. That's what most of us are taught to do. Friends with people that you're like not really friends with, you don't really fuck with. And so my thing is particularly because my intimate circle is super, super intimate. Again, know a lot of people, friends with a lot of people, but in terms of you know, who I'm talking to multiple times a day and stuff, it's usually no more than three people, three, four people max. So I don't want those people, you know, those people get all of me and they hear everything and they hear the worst of the worst and the toughest days. And it's like, why would I want to be in relationship with people who are not going to be able to hold space for like, you know, my sadness and my down days, but also be able to remind me of who I am. Like I need to be around people who are touching and agreeing also with the version of Deka that I see for myself. So All of this stuff plays into what it means to sit in your stuff. So imagine being in a sticky place, we'll call it, and you can't even really work through your feelings because you're surrounded by people who don't even fucking really like you. You know what I mean? Or people who like think you're overdramatic all the time and always have an issue or always have something to say or whatever it is. You're going to be less inclined to do the work. And this is why like just zooming far, far out bird's eye view, it's like, This is why and how all of this work always goes together, right? So I can talk about responsibility, personal responsibility and personal integrity and authority and sovereignty and taking full and complete ownership of who you are. And that's great. And I love to pontificate and we can talk about ideas all day long. But my thing is, particularly at this point in my life, I don't want to just hear people talk about ideas. I want to see how you are putting the ideas into practice. How are you taking what you say your values are? How are you taking your beliefs and how are you living them? So I don't want to just talk about people who believe in healing and you've got all these big grandiose ideas, but then I'm looking at you and I'm looking at how you're moving through certain things or how you're talking about it and how you're self-deprecating. And it's like, yeah, but you're not actually taking the work and making it tangible. At this point, I want to know, particularly for men, if I'm in, you know, have not been involved with somebody, but as I think about moving forward and whatever is down the line for me and whatever is to come, I don't want to just hear you fucking talk about it. I want to see you be about it. Whatever it is, whatever you have been selling me, 
I want to make sure that you are smoking it. Otherwise, don't try to sell it to me when you're not smoking it yourself, right? So it's just really cool to constantly see how these things are all weaving and woven together. And you can't decide you don't want to look in the closet where all your dark stuff is hidden, but then you want to be this super big success in business. How you do anything is how you do everything. And that is going to come back up. You're never going to be able to outrun it. You're not smart enough. You're not more omnipotent than God in the sense that we are all gods, but yet we are here for a human experience, the full spectrum of the human experience. That's not just joy and celebration and excitement and pleasure and arousal and all of those amazing things. It's also the depths of despair, right? And and desolation and deep, deep, I'm going to keep using the word grief, but that's just what it is, like deep, deep grief, deep, deep sadness. And I think that's the thing. Like I said, when I think, and this was a couple episodes back, you know, when I think about my grief or my sadness, I always feel like it's absolutely in proportion to the love. The bottom line is if I didn't give a fuck, I wouldn't be feeling any of this, right? Like there wouldn't be anything for me to sit in, not with regard to that, because I wouldn't fucking care. So I think it's also like, this is how we learn. I very much am a person who learns through contrast, right? So I need to see something happen. I need to kind of get an idea because I'm a very, very focused thinker and I have a very direct way of thinking. For me, I don't try to make myself think some way different. You know, I'm 40 years old. That's not going to happen. That's not my desire. But I also don't think that's going to happen at this point. Instead, you know, number one, be around people who can help expand. And then number two, pay attention to your environment, Deka. Look at what's going on out there and how can you use this to help shape and create your own values and beliefs. And so looking around, and like I said, being able to use different things as contrast to see how do I want to move? Do I like how this person is moving? Is that something that I would want to adopt? Hmm, are they giving and adding a perspective to my life that I hadn't considered and it's something that I want to integrate? Or is it not? And it's just like, I don't want to be around the people who say feelings aren't facts. It's literally not fucking true. Feelings are facts. Feelings are always 100% truthful. Now, that does not mean that, well, I should say they're 100% facts. I'll always say like, feelings are always valid. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're 100% true, but it's like, This is true in terms of this is what you're feeling in the moment and this is what's coming up in your body. Now, where it's coming from, why it's coming up, what it's based on, those are going to be very specific to the individual person. The other part too is just because you feel like your partner is cheating does not then give you the right to go out and, you know, break their windshield or slash their tires or go do whatever crazy shit people do. Like there's just the feeling. And again, the feeling is data. So the feeling is saying, Something is feeling unsafe here. Like I'm feeling disconnected. Something is off and I can't put my hand on it, but something is off and I need to trust that. That is why feelings are true. So when I say that feelings are true, feelings are facts, it absolutely is giving you data that something, there's some layers here that need to be pulled out, pulled back. Maybe that is I'm super jealous or I actually really don't trust people like I thought I did. And then, okay, I can go partner with whatever professional I need to get support and be able to be guided through healing that on deeper layers. But your feelings are always fucking true. They're always facts. They always are right. It just doesn't necessarily mean what you're making it mean. It doesn't necessarily mean that the person is cheating. And so again, kind of bringing it back full circle. 
This is why I say that it's important to say and sit in your stuff, to not run away from difficult feelings, to not run away from your discomfort, to not look away from things that are ugly. Stay with it and allow it to teach you and transform you. There is something here for you. Only you can find it. I can't work with you to do it. A therapist can't work with you to do it. Only you know what this is bringing up in you. And we can partner together to do it. A therapist can partner with you to do it. But as I love to say about therapy, a therapist can only meet you as deeply as you have met yourself. Because if you go in there lying and saying, you know, if they're asking you what's going on and you show up every week and you're saying, no, I'm cool. I'm good. Yeah, things are great. Mm -hmm. This is good. You've given them no material to work with. Okay, so you said it's great. Cool. Thanks so much. Have a great week and I'll see you next week, you know, whatever it is. So it's like you have to be able to say, I don't know what's happening here, but this feels really uncomfortable. Can you help me pull this apart? Can you sit with me while I work through this? Like, can you help me figure out where this is coming from? Then they can start to work with you. But if you continue to act like you're fine when you're not, that is going to hunt you down. And so again, that type of sitting with it is very different than the wallowing and the victimization. Sitting in a negative story that keeps you safe, keeps you from having to do any work, keeps you from having to take any personal responsibility, keeps you from having to have a really hard, focused look at yourself in the mirror, a strong come to Jesus with yourself about what the fuck is really going on in your life. These are the things that only we can take agency for. Only we have the authority to be able to do. People can point at you and say they see all these things. What do you see? And hey, if you're getting the results that you want to get and you love the relationships you're in and you feel nurtured and supported by the people that you're friends with and your career is deeply tied to who you are and what you believe in, the type of work and stamp you want to leave on the world, cool. Keep doing exactly what you're doing. But if you are willing to be honest enough with yourself to stop and say, some of these things that I'm looking at and some of the stuff that I'm living in is actually not in alignment with how I see myself, who I want to be, or where I want to go, that's going to require you to have to sit in some shit. And at whatever point you get there, I hope you have the courage to do that. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you love what you heard and you want to hear more, please be sure to not only follow the podcast, but also to leave a rating and review. Listen, ratings and reviews are super important because they help spread the word about the podcast so other people like you can be served by this great content. Plus, your support and feedback actually help me to continue talking about the topics and ideas you love. So if you want to connect further, you can find me on Instagram at Baker Robinson. Feel free to send me a DM and tell me what you loved about this episode. I seriously love hearing from you. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.